Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Amen. Yeah, let's give the band just another hand this morning for just all they do. What a great job uh, they do just leading us into worship and uh, always just encouraged by uh, the songs that we sing and uh, just the, the gospel-centeredness of uh, everything that we uh, do. So grateful uh, for all of you being here this morning. If you're a guest with us, we're uh, so thankful that you have joined us today. And those that are uh, gathered online, I know there's folks traveling and uh, folks connected that way. We're so uh, so glad to be able to connect together uh, in the midst of technology and, and just to be able uh, to worship together. Uh, it, just a, a beautiful time as we celebrate uh, just this incredible milestone uh, in so many of our students' lives and just so encouraged by, uh, by all of you and, and by our student ministry and all that God is doing uh, in our midst there. And, you know, I, I think about this Memorial Day weekend and I'm grateful uh, for the sacrifice that has been given so that we could gather uh, freely and worship our great God uh, this morning. Amen. You know, I'm ever so reminded that the freedoms that I walk in, uh, that I did nothing to earn them, but that I have the blessing of being able to live free. I have the blessing of being able to do that, and that freedom comes at a terrible price. And, and I, I think about the way that we live, and I've heard people say one of the greatest ways that we could honor those or one of the most practical ways that we could honor those that have given their all for our freedom is to live free, to conduct our lives in a way that shows the worth of the sacrifice that has been made for us. And I, I want to, with that thought, open the Word of God this morning. We're walking through uh, Philippians uh, verse by verse, and we're in chapter number one. Uh, if you want to take your copy of God's Word and turn to Philippians chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse 27, uh, I want to encourage our grads and all of us with this thought of how to live uh, away from home. And if you would, in honor of the uh, infallible, inerrant Word of God, will you stand with me as we read uh, verse 27 to 30? And we're going to jump right in this morning. Beginning in verse 27, the Apostle Paul writes this, Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, in no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you, and that too from God. For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, experiencing the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful. God's so grateful for your word. And Lord, I pray that this morning, God, as we just reflect and, in, and lean in, uh, Lord, to the, to the scriptures, that you would remind us what it looks like to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to walk in a manner that would declare the infinite value and grace, the infinite value of, of our Savior. Yes. And Lord, that we might leave this place different than we came, God, because of what you have done. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And we ask for your blessing on every graduate, on every person. Yes. And God, may you help us walk in obedience to your will. In Jesus' name, uh, amen. 
So Paul has been uh, walking through this uh, first chapter of Philippians, and he begins out just this, with this encouragement and this gratitude that he has for this church at Philippi and what he would describe as their partnership in the gospel from the beginning until now. He's reminded them that he is very confident as he looks at their lives and he sees them walking uh, in this manner worthy of the gospel. Is he is engaging with them and he says, I'm confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you that he will see it through into completion into the day of Christ Jesus. And then Paul uh, is reminding them and they've probably been concerned about his circumstances. For two years he's uh, been uh, in this uh, prison dynamic chained uh, to a Roman soldier. He's been in this, this, this difficult situation. And Paul's encouraged them. And he says, you know, when you look at my situation, he said, don't be discouraged. He said, because I've got joy in the midst of these difficult circumstances because my imprisonment, Paul says, has worked out for greater progress of the gospel. And when the gospel is center in our lives, everything changes. And last week, Paul says, you know, I'm uh, facing uh, difficult things ahead. And, and there could be moments where I might uh, give my life for the cause of Christ, that I might be martyred. But he said, you know what, whether I live or die, he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And Paul says, whether or not I am left here with you, or whether or not I go on. If I'm left here, and he says, I'm confident I'm going to be left for your sake. He says, I'm confident that this will mean fruitful labor for me. And so he's, he's put this backdrop of his life. And then he comes and, and he implores this group of, uh, of believers. And he, and he implores us today. And I implore you as graduates with this charge. And he comes to them and he says this. He gives them this, this thought of how they are to live their lives. And he begins with one word. He says, only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy. And this word only, it gives us this picture of this all-encompassing thought of this call that he's going to give them that summarizes what it means to live as a Jesus follower. This, this, this call that we might live in the midst of this broken world as citizens of the kingdom of God. He says, only conduct yourselves in a manner Worthy. Now, when you look at the Greek translation of this, this only conduct yourselves, it would be better translated uh, to say only conduct yourselves as citizens in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. In the, the Greek, the root word is a word that we would get our word politics from. It's a word uh, that would mean city, and it would point to uh, this uh, state or this place where uh, a place's inhabitants would give their primary allegiance. And so Paul says, live your life as citizens. And, and it gives this meaning, right? This verb that we see here gives this meaning of not just living as citizens, but living as good citizens. It implies this kind of look. And, and so when we read this passage, we have to recognize that Paul's writing to this church at Philippi. And what we know about Philippi is that it is this Roman colony. And so what we know about them is that they would take incredible pride in the fact that they were Roman citizens. They would embrace the Roman culture, the Roman way of life. They would speak the language of the Romans. They would, they would have their leaders and they would, uh, they would refer to them and they would uh, title them with Roman titles. And even though they were 800 miles from Rome, these people, they lived as Romans. And when they would hear 
this word. They would understand that Paul is saying that they are to live as citizens. But what we understand is that Paul is not calling them to live as good citizens of Rome, but he is calling them to live in this Roman colony as good citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Paul would use this same word in chapter number 3, and we'll read verse number 20. He says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. And what Paul is saying to them, as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, live your lives worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He would say that we would live our lives in a manner that's worthy. Now, we don't live worthy. When we read this, we're not to read this. Paul's intention was for us not to read this and say somehow we're to live our lives in such a manner that we are worthy of of the gospel, that somehow we have earned the gospel. That's not at all what he is saying. He, we, we don't live worthy to earn our citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. We live worthy because of our citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. Now, we think about this. A parent might uh, tell a child, they might engage with a child, and they might say, hey, uh, you're an Inslee. And as an Inslee, when we practice and when we go out there and we play ball, we work hard, right? And you don't work hard in order to become an Inslee, but because you are an Inslee, this is how you're going to live. I could feel those kind of things in, and it says this, and because of who you are, this is how you live. And Paul says, because of who you are in Christ, because of your relationship with Jesus Christ, this is how you live. And when you live that way, Paul's saying, listen, it declares the worth of the gospel. It declares the goodness of God. And so this morning, the first thing I want to do for all of you graduates and for every person in this room, for those that are watching online, if you are in Christ, I want to remind you who you are this morning. Listen carefully. You are no longer low down, rotten, dirty sinners, dirty, stinking sinners. That's not who you are. You were redeemed, blood-bought saints of the Most High God that have been redeemed and purchased by the shed blood of Christ, and who were equipped and enabled to live in this fallen world for the kingdom of heaven in anticipation of that day that we will be with Christ. That's who you are, right? And we need to remember who we are. And the cost that was paid to make us holy before God, to make us right in his sight. And because of who you are, the gospel is central wherever you are. Whether I come and see you, that's what Paul says. Whether He says, whether I come and I'm actually with you in Philippi or whether I remain in this situation and I cannot be there, here's what I want to hear about you. He said, whether I come and see you or remain absent, he said, I want to hear this. Verse 27, he continues and he says that you are standing firm. This is what he says. You want to know what it looks like to live these lives that declare the worth of the gospel? He says, when I hear of you, I want to hear that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And so students, whether you are in Franklin or whether you are at a university somewhere a long distance from us, uh, no matter where you are at, this is what we want to hear about you. Church, whether we are in, in our workplaces or whether we are in our homes or whether we are somewhere all the way across the country, right? What we want to hear about the followers of Jesus Christ is that we are standing firm in one spirit, in one mind, that we have this striving for the faith of the gospel. This is who we are to be, right? And so the first thing I want you to see is Paul commands them. He calls them to stand firm in unity. He calls them to stand firm in unity. Now, this is a defensive posture. We're going to see 
Uh, it's kind of this thought of our feet are planted to offer resistance to things that might come our way. And he says we want to stand in one spirit. So the church of the living God, right, we stand in one spirit. We stand firm, resolved. We stand on the word of God. We stand on the truth of the word of God. And here's the truth, and, and I want all you students to hear this, right? We don't stand well alone. When we are in the midst of this life and we get weary and we get isolated, those are times that the enemy works in just incredibly difficult ways in our life. And so as you go, wherever you go, and no matter who we are in this room, we need to be praying that God would allow us to be knit together with brothers and sisters in Christ, that we would be knit together in the family of God. And so the first thing, if you're living away from home, and, and by the way, all of us are uh, citizens of the kingdom of heaven who are living far from home. And the first thing I want to encourage you to do when you're living far from home is to get in community with other believers that can spur us along into good works, right? And we, we see that this is who God has called. We've not been called to do life in isolation. And, and what we know, what we know from statistics, uh, if you're following along in the church app, there's sermon notes in there. Uh, and at the bottom of that app, you'll see a link or the bottom of that sermon note page, you'll see a link that shares some different statistics that you can look at later on the reason that students stay. What we have identified is over time, this is an age group, right, when you graduate uh, from high school, that over the next four to six years, that it's a time where many students can step away at some level uh, from the faith. And so what we uh, have, have done and what a, a guy named Steve Parr has done, he wrote a book called Why They Stay Instead of Why They Stray, and he identified these core things. And so if you're a parent in this room, uh, I encourage you to lean into that. We'll send it out in our weekly uh, emails the first of the week, but I encourage you to lean into that, and you can just see uh, just these simple uh, truths about what characteristics were, were common in these students that did not stray from their faith. But here's the, here's the statistic. 66% of young adults stopped attending church regularly. And by the way, uh, the regularly in this survey is defined at twice a month or more. Now, that's not that impressive, really, if you get right down to it, right? But, but if they attended twice a month, they were considered attending regularly. And 66% of young adults stopped attending church regularly uh, for at least a year between the ages of 18 and 22. Now, it's interesting. When you look at the reasons that kids stay, one of the common uh, denominators, there's nothing uh, that outruns parental example of the faith at home. And you'll see that and what you'll also find is this, this denominator of regular church attendance was in some of the top things that impacted kids that remained attending church regularly once they left the home. Now, here's the reason that it was cited. 96% of the students that, that stepped away uh, from attending church regularly uh, between the ages of 18 and 22, 96% of them selected this reason, that they said that there were life changes or situations. And the number one reason was that they stopped attending when they moved to college and stopped attending church. 71% of those students said they did not plan on taking a break. And so I want to encourage you, graduates, that these next, uh, these next six months, they're, they're critical in the midst of your life. And, and the enemy would love nothing more than to derail us from, from the fight. The enemy would, would love nothing more. And we're going to see that there's a call for us to strive together in the faith. And the enemy would love nothing more than for you to waste the greatest mission field that some of you may have uh, by disconnecting from the body of Christ and allowing yourself to be connected to the things of this world. And I just want to mention to you parents 
uh, you have an, an incredible impact. One of the greatest reasons that students that left the faith uh, or, or left church, not necessarily left the faith, but stopped attending church, came back, was because of the encouragement of their parents. So their parents began to encourage them to come back. And, and, and it does my heart good uh, to see so many of you college students that are in the room that when you are not here uh, on, on summer break and when you are at college that you have a body of believers that you are gathering with and that you are worshiping uh, together with. And here's the truth. As long as you pay. So parents, I want you to soak this in. As long as you pay, you get a say. All right? You always have influence in, in your child's life, right? But as long as you are, uh, are impacting their life, as long as you are uh, helping to provide in, in some way, as long as you're doing those kind of things. Now, now, here's an example. We have internet here at the church that we have opened throughout the week. And so there's a lot of people that'll just stop by and they'll park in the parking lot or they'll come in and they'll uh, want to use the internet. And we're so grateful to offer that. Uh, and, and there's this one time that, that somebody came in the church and this guy was not too happy with, with me and the internet. And he wanted to see me, and he says, uh, hey, uh, you know, you're blocking some sites that I want to get to. And he said, you're not charging my internet. You can't tell me where, where I can go and where I can't go. And as graciously as I could, I said, are you paying for the internet? <laughs> as long as we pay, we get a say, right? You're welcome by your own internet. You can go wherever you want to, but as long as you're on our internet, right, there's some restrictions uh, that are there. And so we see this, this kind of, as long as we pay, right, we get uh, a say. So the second thing, we're going to stand uh, firm in unity, but we're going to strive together fearlessly. The last part of verse 27, he says, striving together for the faith of the gospel. So when you go, wherever you are, find God's people and strive together for the faith. The word literally means side by side. It gives this picture of, of in unity together. It might give a picture of like an offensive line uh, on a football team that are side by side and they're striving uh, to press forward. They're striving in that way that they're struggling. There's this picture of of effort and work and pushing, cooperating together, right? They're, they're doing those kind of things. And, and my encouragement is that we don't check out whatever season we're in, whether you're a senior, an adult, or you're someone who just graduated. Live your life for the glory of Christ. Live your life with the gospel at the center, striving for the faith, standing firm on the truths that have been taught to you, standing firm on who Christ is and pressing on for the glory of God. And we do that best together. It would do us well uh, to connect with someone and say, hey, you know what? Uh, we're, we're following Jesus and we're charging together. Let's go out and share our faith together. Let's, let's go out and, and we're going to go to this restaurant. We're going to witness this, to this waitress. We're going to engage on mission in no greater place in our families where we could model those things as you were going. There's purpose where you're at. Paul says, my imprisonment, it's, it's resulted in in progress of the gospel because these, uh, these Caesar's guards, they're hearing the good news of the gospel. They're, they, these people are being converted in Christ. And so we strive together fearlessly. Now, why would we need to be fearless in that? Because here's the truth. We face opposition. Every one of us, if we are living for Christ and if you are living godly lives in Christ, the scripture promises you will face persecution. You will do that. Now, this word uh, fearless, it continues in verse 28, and he says, in no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you, and that too from God. Hey, have y'all seen any of those videos like the invisible um, scare moments where people are just kind of freak out all of a sudden? Check, check this out. You'll see a little quick uh, example of one of those 
You can find tons of them out there. They're hilarious. Right? And, and, and so people just randomly, like throughout the day, you, you, can, you can try this, but don't blame me if like somebody has a heart attack. I'm not responsible. There's a disclaimer. But like, yeah, if you're just like sitting in the living room and start to scream, like people will run everywhere for absolutely no reason. And this word that's in Greek, it's a rare word. And, and this word for, for being frightened or for being uh, alarmed, uh, it, was, it was this word that would describe uh, uh, some horses being spooked into a stampede. And it describes this panic reaction. What we might see if we almost step on a snake or if we walk in those kind of places. And what Paul's saying, he said, listen, calm down. Calm down. Don't freak out. Keep your cool. You're a citizen of heaven and your God is on the throne. Uh, he is sovereign. Don't be intimidated. It's not going to be easy. Don't expect it to be easy. You're going to be ridiculed. You may be mocked. You may go through difficult times. You may be neglected. You may be uh, overlooked, abused, mistreated, slandered. Uh, you may be persecuted. You may be imprisoned. But you can know one thing in the midst of all those things. You will never be forsaken. And you can stand in the midst of whatever that comes your way because we know that our God, right, as we sung earlier, he has won the victory. And, and here's what Paul says. He says, this opposition and this difficulty and what you're going through, it is a sign of destruction for them. When we stand, right, when we stand faithfully in the midst of opposition, Paul says it's a sign of destruction for them. When they see this quiet strength and this calmness, that in the midst of persecution, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of opposition, that, that there is a resolve that, that, that is standing even when opposition comes. Unbelievers look at that, and it causes them to know that it is true. It causes them to see that there are people who are not frightened. And, and here's what's crazy. See, Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Can you imagine the quiet strength as he witnesses to those that, that are guarding him as he knows what the future may hold for them. Can you imagine uh, the way that his testimony would be? And, and here's this thing. We see these people who are not frightened by the threat of loss of temporal things because they know that their citizenship is in heaven. It is a sign of destruction for unbelievers, and it is a sign, it is evidence of salvation for us when we stand for the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, when we are willing to stand, willing to strive, willing to even suffer for his name's sake, it is a reminder and a declaration that we are his. We stand firm in unity. We strive together fearlessly, and we suffer together faithfully. Look at verse 29. For you, for to you, it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, experiencing the same conflict which you saw in me and now hear in me. And he says, the language in this is that God has granted a gift that you might believe in him and that you might suffer for his name. And contrary to what the popular opinion may be, believing in Jesus and suffering for his name goes hand in hand. And he says, when you suffer for his sake, now some of the suffering that we go through is not for his sake. Sometimes we suffer for just dumb decisions that we made. I, I'll give you an example. My brother, when he was 15 years old, he was, he was within a week of getting his, his driver's license. And, and my mom, for the first time that I could remember, had a new car. I mean, brand new. Well, at our house, and many of you can probably sympathize with this, that when you need to use the cell phone, you don't always have the best cell service. So in order, uh, at the house I grew up in, in order to get cell phone service, you had to drive just out of sight of the house and you could get up to the top of the hill, and if you held your, you know, hand just right, and you 
did all those things, you could make a phone call. And so he says, you know, hey, do you mind if I take the car and I'm just going to drive up, you know, to the top of the hill and make a call and I'll be back in a little while. Well, he got to the top of the hill and again, he's, he's one week or less away from a driver's license and he gets up to the top of the hill and he says, you know what? I'm going to go on a little further ride. I'm going to go for a little ride. So he, so he left and, and actually came and he drove down a road uh, just, just to my right right here and drove and got back in there and didn't know the roads real well. And he was driving down a road a little too fast and he ran out of road. And at the end of that road was a field. And so I get a phone call. This is how I find out about it. I get a phone call from my little brother and he is frantic in this moment. And he says, Jason, he said, I need you. I need you really quickly. Uh, I, I'm in trouble. He said, I'm, I need you really quickly. I said, hey, man, man, what's going on? He said, I took mom's car, and he said, and I've wrecked. And I said, are you okay? And he said, I, I'm okay. I said, well, how bad's the car? And, and this is what he told me. He said, he said, I, I don't think it's too bad. He said, if, if you can get here quick, he said, I think we can turn it back over, and my <laughs> dad won't know. Yeah, <laughs> he said, I, I think we can flip it. <laughs> I'm just not quite strong enough on my own, but if I can get this thing turned back over, Dad won't even know. I'm certain that there was some suffering that went on, like, like no license for a while. I'm certain that, that he had some suffering over those next few weeks. But I want you to don't misunderstand. That's not suffering for the cause of Christ. And many of us, when we may leave home or when we live away from home, the suffering that we experience is because of poor decisions or sinful behavior or things that are there. But, but this is not this case. It's saying as we stand firm, as we strive for the glory of God, that we face opposition, that we walk in obedience to Christ with one mind with one spirit striving together for the progress of the gospel and that's my charge for all of us that we would stand together in Christ that we would strive for the faith that we would live lives that declare the worth of our savior that that we would live lives that have been changed by Christ that have been empowered by the spirit of Christ that are living not so we can earn some kind of position in Christ but that live our lives for the glory of God because of who we are in Christ and because of what he has done in our our lives and we are motivated by grace and we know that God's grace will sustain us in the midst of whatever we face. Could we live that way as a gospel first people in the midst of opposition for the glory of his name and whether I'm with you or not that we might hear of a people striving for the glory of God. I want to close this just in a time of worship, and, and I want to invite you to consider the ultimate message of hope that we have in Christ. And we're going to lean in in this next chapter, and we're going to see that there's this just beautiful picture of what Christ has done in our place. That really is what the gospel is, Jesus, in a, in a quick summary, right, that it is Jesus in our place, that Jesus who never sinned, who has eternally existed, that he took on flesh, became incarnate, that he humbled himself, the scripture says, and was obedient unto death, even the death of a cross, and that Jesus would die a sinner's death in my place, that God would treat Jesus like I deserve to be treated. The wages of sin is death, so that he could treat me the way Jesus deserves to be treated with a free gift of eternal life in 
Christ. And if you've never trusted Jesus, I pray this morning that you would look to the cross and you would say, you know what, I recognize that what Jesus did on that cross, that it was in my place and that it counted for me. And I believe and trust in him. You can pass from death to life and be born again into the family of God. And for all of us, may we be reminded of the great sacrifice that has purchased our freedom. And may we live lives that declare the worth of that sacrifice, not to earn our status in the kingdom of God, but because our status has been given all of grace through the work of the cross. Father, we pray, God, for your blessing on the remainder of this time, God, that you might be glorified. Lord, if there's someone here that... Uh, has never trusted you for salvation, that today would be the day of salvation. God, that they would turn from their sin, God, and surrender their lives to you. And Lord, for every believer in this room, God, may we, Lord, may we live lives that declare the worth of our Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand with me as we close?